bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. This is the Tuesday, September 28, 2021 podcast. The Community Development Finance Institutions Fund earlier this month announced exciting news for anyone working in affordable housing and community development. What was that news? Well, the CDFI fund plans to award up to $380 million through the fiscal year 2021 round of the Capital Magnet Fund. That $380 million is significantly greater than the funds available in previous rounds. By comparison, fiscal year 2020 awards totaled a little more than $175 million. So that $380 million available this round is more than double last year's. So what does this mean for interested applicants? The CDFI fund said that they expect issue awards to a greater number of applicants, more money, more awards, and they'll consider award requests larger than the maximum awards made in past rounds. In the 2020 round, by way of example, individual awards to applicants topped out at $8 million. I'll also note the minimum award was $750,000. Now, as I said, this is really exciting news for anyone working in affordable housing and community development. Now, whether you're eligible to apply for capital magnet funds directly, or if you have an opportunity to partner with a capital magnet fund applicant, today's podcast is tailored to you. Joining me on today's podcast are two returning guests to Tax Red Tuesday. My partners, Amanda Reed from Novogratz Cleveland office and Brent Parker from Novogratz Long Beach, California office. Both Amanda and Brent are experienced accountants and consultants in a variety of affordable housing and community development incentives. Amanda, you may recall, was on Tax Red Tuesday in April when she discussed how organizations can prepare for the next application round for the Capital Magnet Fund program by getting certified as a CFI. Brent was on the podcast in June to discuss opportunity zones, deadlines, and measurement dates. I invited Amanda and Brent back to join me in this week's podcast because they are two of Novogratz's leading experts on the Capital Magnet Fund. They work directly with clients who are applying for Capital Magnet Fund awards. Now, we're going to break today's discussion into three parts. First, we're going to discuss the significance of the fiscal year 2021 round of the Capital Magnet Fund and how it compares to previous rounds in a bit more detail. I gave an overview. We'll dig into some more detail. Then we'll discuss what kinds of organizations can participate in the Capital Magnet Fund, whether as direct applicants or as partners with applicants. And then third, we're going to dive into specific insights and action items that can help interested applicants be successful in the current and future rounds. If you're ready, let's get started. So Amanda and Brent, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. So let's start off with each of your observations about the fiscal year 2021 round of the Cap Magnet Fund. Amanda, I figured I'd start with you. From your perspective, what stood out from the CDFI Fund's Notice of Funds Availability or NOFA? Thank you, Mike, for having me here today. Um, Like you mentioned earlier, this upcoming round of the Capital Magnum Fund is very exciting due to its much larger size. Like you had mentioned in the previous round, the 2020 round, the average award size was about $4 million. And we definitely expect the average award size to be much greater in this 2021 round. Um, There are four priorities in this 2021 round that they've highlighted in the NOFA. And we're going to go over those in a little bit more detail shortly. But a couple of things I noted as well was that if an applicant is proposing in this NOFA to serve the American Samoa, Guam, the Northern Marina Islands, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, they will be scored more favorably in this round. 
And also, if applicants are willing to make a commitment to invest at least 10% of the Capital Magnet Fund award in rural areas, as that's defined in the NOFA, and present a corresponding track record of serving rural areas, they will also be scored more favorably in this round. So those were some highlights from the NOFA that I realized. Right, that's uh, excellent. And uh, I think, Brett, you've had some experience with uh, at least one of those possessions. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, uh, Guam, I've had some experience uh, and, and uh, spent some time there helping clients. So maybe you'll be getting some uh, capital magnet fund applicants. I sure hope so. Uh, so so we, we'll talk about the various priorities for the 2021 round at length later in the podcast. But before we talk about those application priorities, I did want to turn to Brent and dig a little bit deeper into an applicant's chances of getting an award uh, under the current open application round. Clearly, you know, there's a large number of groups out there that could use the funding to further affordable housing community development. But you really need, before you think about applying, understanding your chances of an award are pretty significant. Now, I did mention in my introduction that the CDFI fund does expect to have more awardees, and that's no surprise, and the maximum award to be higher than recent amounts. So, uh, Brent, maybe you could share your expectations uh, with respect to awards and maybe build off of what Amanda's already shared. Sure, sure. So, um, you know, to provide a little context, I mean, as, as you mentioned, Mike, um, you know, for 2020, there was, you know, a fairly large award size, uh, but there was requested $642.2 million in awards from 137 applicants, uh, of which 48 ended up winning. So, you know, over a third, um, 27 of which were CDFIs uh, and 21 nonprofit housing organizations. Um, so, you know, as you mentioned, the award size this year is more than double last year's. Um, however, it's probably unlikely that this year's applicant population will double. So for for 2021, we would expect to see a higher average award size, number one, and also a larger awardee pool. So that could result in potentially more than you know, 70 or 75 awardees. And then in terms of award sizes, Amanda, care to make any predictions about what you see in terms of minimum and maximum award sizes? Sure. So like you mentioned earlier, um, in the 2020 round, the smallest amount was 750000 and they went up as high as $8 million. So like Brent said, with this current award being so much bigger, we definitely expect more applicants. They do mention in the current NOFA that the CDFI fund will not accept applications for the 2020 round that is requesting less than 500,000, and they will definitely not be providing awards below that amount as well. Um, I definitely think that if the lowest was 750,000 last round, I would think the lowest might be one to 2 million. And if the biggest was eight in the last round, I'm thinking you'd probably be 10 to 12 as the largest in this round. And then, and then of course, all the awardees in the middle of those ranges. Great. Thanks to both of you. That's a great overview of the 2021 round. Uh, and as we've discussed in a variety of ways, this $380 million is a big deal for Fobazi community development. So now let's talk about ways to participate uh, in this funding from the Capital Magnet Fund. So, Brent, if you could speak specifically about who is eligible to apply for these Capital Magnet Funds. Sure. So applicants eligible for 2021 CMF award, you know, follow prior rounds, but consist of two groups. First, uh, CDFIs, Community uh, Development Financial Institutions, uh, that were certified as such by the Notice of Funds Availability date, uh, or NOFA, of September 10th. Second group are nonprofit housing organizations. I want to note that, uh, you know, especially for future periods, um, for-profit entities uh, can apply to become a CDFI. 
um, CDFI being in general a, a legal financing entity whose primary mission is to promote community development and provides development services in conjunction with the financing activities. <clears throat> so a lot of a lot of for-profit developers might fit that uh, criteria. Um, to the extent you operate a for-profit entity that could qualify, although you know too late to. Uh, for that entity to certify for the 2021 CMF award, uh, you might consider starting that process now um, so that you're eligible for future awards as the CMF uh, has been awarded annually for several years now. And you can also apply for additional benefits for which CDFIs are eligible. So I'll refer to the CDFIs as certified CDFIs. So if you're a certified CDFI, and as you note, can be a for-profit or a nonprofit entity. So certified CDFIs and housing nonprofits are the two types of entities that can apply directly for capital magnet fund awards. But that's not the only types of entities that can indirectly or can benefit from the capital magnet fund. So uh, maybe you could share you know, some examples of the types of entities that can indirectly benefit from this funding. Sure. So, you know, CMF, as you mentioned, CMF is really a, a very broadly applicable program uh, within the world of multi, multifamily housing. And, you know, in particular, uh, low-income housing tax credit, LIHTC developers with financing gaps uh, as, as one specific uh, population could benefit uh, and could contact the CDFI or nonprofit housing partner that, that they do business with uh, in order to get their planned projects into the capital magnet fund applicants pipeline so that if those partners receive an award, their LIHTC developments are in line to receive CMF award funds. Okay. So in some ways, I think of local cash credit developers, uh, those that are listening to the podcast, they obviously should be considered reaching out to certified CDFIs and housing nonprofit groups and offer up their developments for inclusion and capital magnet fund application pipeline. But it can go beyond uh, local cash credit developers. Uh, both for-profit and non-profit. And I would note that if they apply, if they reach out now, that will put you in a bit better stead should one of the groups that you reach out to receive an award. So you definitely want to be communicating with them early with respect to various developments that you're looking at. But Brent, maybe you could go beyond the local and Tesla developments and what are some of the other ways capital magnet funds can be used? So those that are listeners that are developing some of these other types of projects know that this is an additional potential financing source. So, uh, you know, there's a number of ways that the CMF proceeds can be used um, in accordance with the CFI fund guidelines. And they're stated as development, rehabilitation, preservation, or even purchase of uh, housing to support either home ownership or rental uh, to house of housing to low-income families. Um, really, the common denominator uh, is that the cost of the finance projects has have to entirely support housing occupied by populations at or below 120% uh, area median income or AMI. So it's a much more generous uh, you know, threshold than you know, a lot of programs out there. You know, priority, note that priority is given to applicants that, you know, serve populations with lower thresholds and project costs to award leverage factor has to be at least 10 to one. So 10 project costs, one award size with the most successful applications really exceeding a factor of 20 to one, uh, which can be achieved really through a variety of different strategies, all or any of which, you know, Amanda or myself could help you to explore and, and to assist in making your application sort of more compelling and successful. I also want to kind of note that in addition to just the housing costs, you know, applicants can can use the proceeds up to 30% of their award can be used for economic development activities. So that doesn't directly fund the housing, but it's needed for financing, you know, community service facilities, or, you know, it's required to implement a, what they call a concerted strategy to stabilize or revitalize the applicable low-income or underserved rural community. 
No, that's uh, really helpful. And there has been a lot of talk uh, back in Washington, D.C. about a Neighborhood Homes Investment Act, which is all about uh, funding you know, uh, home ownership uh, in distressed communities. Uh, and we do have a Novogratic working group that's starting up on that. And the bill that uh, act didn't get included, a version of it in the House Ways and Means bill. Um, and this could end up being interesting gap financing for that. But I, I'm, I'm diverting myself. If you're interested in that, go to our other, uh, whatever other podcast that Dirk Wallace did and email us if you're interested in learning more about the Neighborhood Homes Investment Act, because it could, it could be an application for capital magnet funding there. But now that we've discussed a general overview of the capital magnet fund program, which also goes by the acronym CMF, as you already heard from Brent. Uh, we've talked about the overview of the CMF program and who can participate directly and indirectly. Now let's look at the next steps for interested applicants. So Amanda, if you could tell our listeners some of the key upcoming program deadlines, and, and more importantly, in addition to the deadlines, is explaining their significance, uh, because these are threshold requirements that if you don't meet them, then you yeah. can't apply. Yes, that's perfect. Yeah, so first off, obviously, the Capital Magnum Fund, what they issue are grants, and that's how the money is awarded to the applicant, to the awardees is as a grant. So the first thing you need to do is you have to have anybody that's interested needs to have an active SAM account, and it stands for Systems for Awards Management, and that's on the grants.gov website. So that's not through the CDFI fund, that's grants.gov, but you need to make sure you have an active SAM account and a registration in order to submit the required application materials, or, or at least part of them. So once you do that and you have your active SAM account, then there is a form SF-424 that needs to be completed as well, and it needs to be submitted through grants.gov, and that due date is October 12, 2021, and that's just a form that you fill out that any person that's receiving a grant potentially would need to have this form filled out. It's a mandatory form. Um, it's not too hard. There's not too many data points. It's, I think it's like five pages long, um, but you need to have that done. Also, by October 12th, you need to have created an AMOS account on the CDFI Fund's website, and AMOS stands for Awards Management Information System. Um, and so that account at least needs to be created by that day as well. So the October 12th is your first deadline date. And like Mike said, if you don't get the SF-424 form in and you don't have the account created, you will, even if you submit the application later by that due date, it will get pulled. So these are absolutely critical dates that you cannot pass. And I would definitely start that early because um, if you don't have an active SAM account, that stuff does take time. So even once you submit it, it's not an instantaneous, like now your account's active. It can take some time. So people that don't have an active SAM account already should get on that very soon just to give yourself the time you need. Um, after those deadlines, the actual Capital Magnet Fund application, which is done on the AMOS site through the CDFI fund and all the required attachments are due um, and they have to be submitted through AMOS by November 9th, 2021. So that's the ultimate application date, but we need the October 12th date to pass that stuff as well. Another date I wanted to just keep in mind so everybody's aware is November 4th is the last day that you're able to contact any Capital Magnet Fund staff at the CDFI fund. So they always cut off um, about a few days before the app is due, they cut off any last questions. So keep in mind that date because at that point, Unless it's a technical issue, you won't be able to ask them any more questions about the Capital Magnet Fund application. So just to reinforce those deadlines, it's Tuesday, October 12th, 2021, and yep. then Tuesday, November 9th, 2021. 
and Correct. the listener should be applying early to deal with uh, you know any issues they could have. Correct. So thank you for recapping those dates. I know they're a front of mind for you and Brent as you're helping clients meet the various deadlines. So now let's go back to a point we mentioned earlier in the podcast. The CDFI fund did announce four priorities for the fiscal year 2021 round that can help make an application more competitive. Now, we can't go into these four priorities in extreme detail, <laughs> but clients can reach out to uh, either or both of you to get more of the detail. But Brent, if you could describe the priorities at a at whatever the appropriate level is, but not too much, not don't get too granular because we <laughs> only have so much time on the podcast. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, so, so there's four, as you mentioned, there's four specific criteria um, in the 2021 NOFA. Um, first, applications where A, um, with respect to rental housing, at least 20% of units are targeted families at or below 50% AMI. Uh, so use those of you in the live tech world, 20 at 50. Uh, and B, with respect to homeownership units, uh, at least 20% of all units are targeted to families at or below 80% AMI. Uh, the second criteria Area applications where rental affordable housing units are in areas of either uh, economic distress uh, or high opportunity areas, each are defined by the CDFI fund. And third, uh, where applications of home ownership of affordable housing are either located in that AED areas of economic distress or are targeted families at or below 80% AMI. And finally, the fourth, uh, applications proposing to use the CMF uh, to leverage private capital. Um, to finance and or support uh, affordable housing activities and or development uh, economic development activities. Uh, so that private capital is very important and that's what they're looking to really leverage more than uh, public capital. Also, I just want to kind of quickly note that there are additional scoring criteria that you know Amanda mentioned earlier. You know, a lot of sort of intricacies in the in the uh, the NOFA uh, and the requirements um, that are not encompassed entirely in these four criteria by any means. So it's important to have a professional uh, that understands the application scoring criteria to assist in the development of your application. Great, thank you for that. Um, and I could ask you a lot of questions on those four uh, <laughs> criteria or priorities, but we don't have time. So, Amanda, are there any other action items that you'd recommend for listeners who are, applying, who are planning to apply for this round of the Capital Magnet Fund uh, or maybe uh, undecided? Obviously, aside from calling you or Brent, of course, yeah. to discuss their uh, options. Uh, and I realize that's an open-ended question. I know there are a lot of action items you'd recommend. Yeah. So maybe give a few initial action items. Yeah, no, no worries. Uh, no, I, I would start by saying it's not too late to get started, but obviously I'd recommend anybody that is undecided get going very quickly. Right now, today, I think as of tomorrow, we are a full six weeks from when the app is due the November 9th date. So you think you have six weeks, but the application is definitely pretty big. There's many tables, narratives. So the six weeks, you will need a lot of that time. It, it, it doesn't seem, it seems like a long time, but it really is not. So you do want to get started right away. Like I mentioned before, those um, earlier dates, those October 12th dates are critical dates. And so if you're undecided, I've been even telling clients, get a SAMS count created, start doing that stuff because you don't want to wait to decide and then you don't have enough time to create the account. So getting on top of that and doing those first threshold dates we talked about are extremely important. And obviously, like you keep mentioning, we're available to assist with anyone's application um, and, and help in any way possible. But those would be my big um, items I would start to get going on. And I usually tell clients, you know, those tables and the narratives drive the tables. So 
we can obviously help tell them how to best approach the application if they want to talk to us and engage us. We help tell them in what order I think is the best order to um, get the application done in. Well, I really like your point about the October 12th deadline. If you're still deciding, yeah. don't decide on that. Just do that. Right. Just do that. Do that. And then I said it can't hurt. The it's later. free. It doesn't cost any money to create the account. So just go on and do it. It can't hurt to make the same account and have it done. So, yes. Uh, and and uh, Brent, maybe you could also talk uh, about Bob Ibanez's experience and it, it being with Novogratic. We, we can't really talk about the Cattle Badger Fund without mentioning Bob. Sure. Yeah, Bob is a key player here at Novogratic um, who's been, you know, instrumental at both CDFI Fund and here at Novogratic um, and uh, and has a lot of experience. Um, he's helped with many applications here. Um, and uh, I think he was very instrumental at the CDFI Fund as well when, yes. during his time there. Yes, we're um, lucky to have him on board, former program manager for the New Market Tax Credits and uh, does a lot of work with the Capital Magnet Fund and others. So he's a critical part of the team. And I had to make sure that we uh, we can't really have a conversation about Capital Magnet mm-hmm. Fund and New Market Tax Credits without mentioning Bob. And it's uh, a very similar application as well. I mean, just to yeah. mention, it's a very, very, very similar application. And I just want to also mention for the SAM account, I think that could take up to 10 business days to approve that. So yeah, I mean, it's getting close to the time where you'd need to start that process. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, given that as of the podcast posting date of September 28th, you've got 10 business days. Right. Right. So yes. So this is great. I wish we had more time to discuss this, but we don't. If you could each share your contact information so listeners can reach out to you if they have questions about their applications. Uh, Yeah, mine is Amanda, A-M-A-N-D-A dot read, R-E-A-D at Novaco.com. And uh, mine is Brent, B-R-E-N-T dot Parker, P-A-R-K-E-R at Novaco.com. Great. Thank you both uh, again, uh, Amanda and Brent, for sharing your insights today. Uh, Both of you, please do stick around for our off-mic section in a few minutes. I get to ask you some fun off-topic questions, and you get to share some non-capital magnet fund wisdom uh, with our listeners. But it's probably indirectly helpful with the capital magnet fund, I'm sure. To our listeners, please be sure to tune in to next week's podcast. My guest is going to be my partner, Jeff Nishida, and he'll discuss long-term cash credit basics for developers who are new to the incentive. We're going to discuss how the low-income housing tax credit is used to finance affordable rental housing for low-income families. The focus will be on helping newcomers set themselves up for success in accessing the tax credits so they can build or rehabilitate affordable rental housing to serve low-income families. You can be sure you're notified of that episode and each week's episode by following or subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast. Go to www.novaco.com slash podcast to subscribe to and to stream the show on our website. You can also follow or subscribe to Tesla Tuesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Stitcher, and Radio Public. Now, I'm pleased to reach our off-mic section where listeners get to get a little bit more wisdom, as I mentioned, in non-directly capital magnet fund topics from our podcast guests. So I want to start with one of my sort of favorite questions that I'd love to ask, and that I'm always in search of productivity tips. So I'll start with you, Amanda, and if you could share your favorite productivity tip. Yeah, I think for me, my best one is making checklists, always making good lists and checklists to keep track of everything, taking lots of good notes and everything. I feel like that 
helps me stay productive very well by having um, lots of notes and checklists to keep me on target with what I need to do. Is there a particular technology you use with that or is it more paper the old fashioned way? Um, I do tend to still use paper a lot, but I'm trying to get to like one note and doing things more on computers because I feel yeah. like that's where we should be going. But I do tend to use a big pad of paper still that I use. Yeah, I'm a very much a fan of OneNote and trying to build out my yeah. uh, OneNote skills. Yeah. So Brent, what's your favorite productivity tip? And now, now you can't say take notes and use OneNote. <laughs> nah, took mine. <laughs> no, I, I'm, you know, uh, I think it's a kind of a general thing. I mean, spend a few minutes planning your approach and strategy. Um, people, uh, especially in our professional services firm, they, they tend to sort of jump into things too quickly and, and uh, oftentimes, uh, you know, to try and get the job done quickly and you sacrifice planning and effort to sort of do that. So a little preparation goes a long way. And then I would also say that, um, you know, when, when people, you know, taking notes just along that sort of line uh, is super important. And when people, you know, make mistakes or whatever and, and, uh, and have issues, um, it's maybe okay to make a mistake once, maybe twice. Don't make it a third time. Add it to your list. Check your yes, list. Yes, <laughs> yes. Now, I always remember the uh, adage, begin with the end in mind. <laughs> so... And that goes along with your planning. So the next question I wanted to ask each of you is a non-work-related goal that you set to try to achieve in the next 12 months. And why did you set that as a goal? Brent, you can go first this time. Okay. Um, I don't think Amanda was, it would take mine, but who knows? <laughs> uh, so in the next 12 months, um, I, I want to drive to at least three states that I've yet to visit and a couple of Canadian provinces. I've visited 43 of the contiguous states now in Hawaii. So I have a few left to round them out over the next few years, mainly because our country is amazing. Uh, and every state I've visited so far has provided a new and unique experience. So 43, should you get to 46? I tried to get to 46. I, I have North Dakota, South Dakota, Dakota, Minnesota. And I figure while I'm up there, I'll, I'll uh, hit some of those provinces like BC and Alberta and Saskatchewan. Got or it. Something. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Amanda, are you going to go on the road? No, no, he's right. I didn't do that one. Mine, mine was a little different. Mine is, uh, I've been really big lately on trying to uh, remove sugar and caffeine from my diet and just trying to like be a more healthier person. And, you know, we all get into an older age and I just want to be more healthier. So I've been doing lots of research, reading and trying to figure out what we would eat and recipes, but I've been very big on, on trying to just live a much healthier kind of lifestyle and removing things like sugar, caffeine and stuff like that from my diet. So that's kind of my goal for the next year. No, that's uh, excellent. So the uh, third question I have and the final question is a secret talent or hobby that few people know you have. Uh, and I'm also curious as to how or why, <laughs> how you had developed it or why you developed or started the hobby or the talent. So we'll start with you, Amanda. Okay. Well, mine's kind of, I guess it's, I put it as a hobby, but basically, and I'm not sure how many people know it, but my youngest daughter, who's six, um, was diagnosed with autism. So ever since that happened, my hobby is now trying to be an expert on autism and doing everything I can to research the therapies that are out there, the pros. And, and once again, going back to my checklist, I have checklists of pros and cons of each therapy and what should we be doing? And it, it's kind of made me a slight expert and people will 
would probably say it's my hobby of some sort because I just want to have as much knowledge about that now. And so I feel like uh, that's definitely something in my off time. We're constantly researching and partnering with families and talking to other families and just very, very big advocates of just getting more knowledge about this. So no, that's great. You're a great parent. Yeah. We're trying. Right? It's a unique world to be in, for sure. Um, yes, yes, yes. That's a beautiful part about the world we're in right now is the abundance of resources. Now, quickly, yeah. you can get a lot yeah. of knowledge and not just historical knowledge, but knowledge that's developing. Oh, for sure. For sure. Brent. So uh, my my skill or hobby is definitely not that profound, but <laughs> uh, but but I, I know how to juggle. And I think like really only my wife knows that I know I can, uh, can do this. Um, so I started juggling really to sort of strengthen eye hand coordination um, and provide, you know, I guess a way of meditation because I'm not a big, you know, yep. meditation expert, but uh, but it definitely is a source of meditation. And since I've sort of learned that, you know, it, it really helps to improve, you know, neural connections and you know, I've read articles on it related to memory, focus, you know, movement, vision, et cetera. Um, so good for the old noggin. No, that's uh, great. Uh, yeah. I need to get back to juggling. I juggled as a kid and uh, into college and haven't done it quite as much. So I need to, uh, and it's, uh, I'll think of it as my meditation. Yeah. <laughs> it works for me. <laughs> so thank you, uh, Brent and Amanda. Uh, and thank you to our listeners. Uh, that's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived podcasts are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. You can find related links referenced in this podcast in our show notes at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast. Novogratik and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.